our uh, our neighbours over the road have got the uh, tree surgeons in, and they've got a big wood chipper out the front. And boy, does it make a noise! So I'm hoping it stays quiet for the uh, for the for the part of this the part of the podcast. So uh, fingers fingers crossed. We had a we had a wood chipper here the other day, and I nearly very severely injured myself. I threw a um, log in it, and it spat it straight back out. And, <laughs> oh, and I had oh, I not shown yeah. unusually quick reactions, it would have hit me in the mouth. <laughs> was it like a 90-mile-an-hour bowl, bowler coming at you, Hugh? I think yeah, self-preservation certainly kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shall we get started, then? Yeah. Yep. Oh, hang on. Doorbell. Doorbell. It's forgotten about the doorbell. It's great to leave in a podcast, isn't it? All these things that happen. Yeah. I've had people creeping past, Cat, dogs, kids, ex-players running around with their kids suddenly <laughs> coming with pictures going, do you like this, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> it's cracking. <laughs> yeah. I think I might just leave this all in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Hello. Hello. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 106 of the Real Reading Podcast. Like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. This week, uh, we discussed the week in headlines, which includes a multi-million pound refurbishment proposal for Royal Berkshire Hospital, uh, track and trace spot checks for Reading pubs, and some great looking on and offline heritage open days. As well as all that, we speak to Glenn Dinning of Blue Collar Street Food about the upcoming national competition being held in Reading. And we couldn't have episode 106, 106, without welcoming back the Elm Park Royal, Paul Mann. Hello, Paul. Hi, everyone. Yes, good to be back on. Um, yeah, as briefly as possible, talk about Reading Football Club. Uh, <laughs> I'm not optimistic. We'll see how the season goes. But it's good to be talking about other things apart from them, thanks. So, yeah. Um, Paul, following you on social media as I do over the last couple of days, um, feels like uh, you have a real, real sort of longing for that's the strong and stable days of Medeski, Koppel and the 106. Is that fair to say at the moment? I just want to see a manager that stays longer than 10 months. It's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely amazing. It's just groundbreaking. It's just like, oh, we've got a new manager. He's come in. He's going to say all the right things. And then... Oh, look, we're back here again and again. It's just results and, yeah. Don't bring me down. Don't bring me Sorry, down. Sorry, mate. <laughs> that is, I think that's the last time we're going to talk to uh, talk to you about Reading FC uh, for the time being. But, you know, good luck to the Royals in the season ahead. Uh, in the meantime, you if you want to get in touch, here is Jeremy with How You Can. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Real Reading Pod, and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Uh, Rach, um, Kids Park, Hello. you went, where have you been? You've been to Beale Park. Oh yeah, we went to Beale Park at the weekend. That was my first um, um, sort of outing of that type since all the lockdown shenanigans. So I wasn't quite sure what to expect. You, you, and you and your son Zachary are big sort of park fans, aren't you? You go out, you go to a lot of parks. I was just wondering which um, park is next on your hit list. Where, where do you want to go? Oh well, when you have a five-year-old, Tom, you'll realise that uh, being outside <laughs> of the house, as much as possible, is beneficial because it means your house is not getting trashed for the whole of the day. Um, so where's next on my hit list? Oh, probably Wellington 
next, maybe? Haven't been there for a long, long while. As long as it's got a park in it. Um, yeah, but probably Wellington next. Oh, or the... Um, what's it called? The Living Rainforest on the way to Newbury. Because, allegedly, there is a sloth in there. But I think I've been three times with Zach and we have never found this sloth. I think it's about as big as a Labrador. They're not tiny, are they? <laughs> so I don't know how it can hide in a greenhouse and I can't find it. But can, that's why I'm going they're back. They're not notorious for their, for their speed either. So it's not like, oh, they're looking, <laughs> no. I'll, I'll, I'll quickly move. Um, I also went to the... Uh, I don't know whether it... Go on, I've been there as well and we didn't see the sloth either. So... Um, I, I don't want to make accusations in the direction of the living rainforest, but you have to question whether there is a sloth at all or not. <laughs> um, it's a very sloth thing to do, isn't it? To not be seen. Have they, have they still got those massive dinosaur uh, models at Wellington Country Park? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're sort of a bit reminiscent of the ones at, um, is it Crystal Palace, where they sort of resemble a dinosaur you recognise. Um, and there's a good uh, a T-Rex head that you can put your head into its mouth, which is a standard photo every time we go, obviously. <laughs> oh, look, I've been eaten. <laughs> um, shall, we, shall we move on to some of the news? We've got some big stories to cover this week. Yep, let's do that. So I always, I always just need the confirmation that that's yeah, what we're going to do, know, even though it says in the script. No, <laughs> no, let's not. Um, yeah, um, what if you said, yeah, go off it, it freak yeah. you right out. Let's just, let's just make it up as we go along, which, you know, went so well last week. Um, so uh, first up, <laughs> Paul, I think this is, you, you're a, you're a regular, oh, sorry, I was going to say you're a regular at Royal Berkshire Hospital, but. Um, <laughs> I, thanks for that you just like condemned me to incredibly back out there um, this wow. is the this is the the news that uh, the Royal Berkshire Hospital in Reading is set to get a multi-million pound revamp um, it's going for there's, there's a consultation going to go ahead um, I think that the gist of it is that there are some parts of it that are fairly run down there's a huge backlog of maintenance and it's not particularly laid out very well uh, I'm not entirely sure how you relay out a hospital without knocking loads of it down but I guess you know millions of pounds would certainly allow you to do that. Um, Paul, I, I guess, what, are you a regular at Royal Berkshire Hospital? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I have been there yeah. though, definitely, and my dad definitely been there. He's recently treated there for cancer, and uh, it was all successful. So there's a good story. That's yeah. <laughs> that, this could have gone in a, in a slightly different exactly. way. You know, I thought I'd add that very quickly. Otherwise, yeah, tenseness and you don't want that in the atmosphere. Do you, is it something that um, is it something that it's sort of in your experience that, uh, that that's required at, at the hospital? Yeah, from like I mean, obviously I've spent a lot of time in hospitals. I've been a heart lung transplant. My hospital's the Harefield Hospital in Harvey. Yeah, but I have definitely been in the rollbacks many years ago in the nineties, and I actually know the person who rebuilt who did the architecture for the new building at the rollbacks because he actually went on to have a transplant in the same hospital that I did. But it's a kind of, I think the problem with the roll box is it's just so, it's got two parts to it, hasn't it? Now it's got a very modern part, which works brilliantly. And it's got another part that is probably outdated by about 30, 40 years now. And one of the major issues they bring up is the privacy of people when they're moving them around the hospital. Yeah. And that is a major issue. I mean, when you're a patient feeling at your worst, you don't really want people looking at you all the time. You don't really no. care, but you're aware of it. You're kind of semi-aware, yeah it's um it, it looks to be that it's going to be something that uh, is going to take um a few years um which i guess is it always seems to be the case with these things i know hugh you you will have a lot of experience writing about proposals like this million pound redevelopment po proposals and you know it's often years before anything gets going what what do you think um what, yeah. what do you think about the what's going what's going to happen um and and is it some is, is it is this one of those that's a good idea or is it and definitely going to happen or is it um uh sort of a, a, something that they'd like to do that's a great idea and um the the investment will happen um when 
when hospitals announce that millions of pounds are going to be spent on a revamp, the assumption is it's going to be done all at once, um, which probably isn't the case. It will probably be sort of mini projects, mini revamps, which is why it take why it'll take so long. Um, but as we know, the uh, a lot of the Royal Barks is quite old, um, and I'm sure the people there are aware of its failings. Yes, and what needs to be done, and. And you know, if you surely some of it's protected well, anyway, isn't it? The front bits all they can't do. Yeah, it's great too. I think. It, I assume. Yeah, but you know, there's rules and regulations around money and stuff, and they get given money to do, and they have to show the people giving them the money what they're going to do, and that get that approved, and how that's all going to be. It's not like they just get given millions of pounds and then and then <laughs> do what they like. It's all very controlled. Yeah. Um, and like you say, Tom, it will take. It'll, it's over the course of a number of years, so I expect down the line they'll be they'll say we'll spend X amount on this, X amount on that, um, and we'll do this at this point and that at that point, and it'll be a slow change over a number of years, rather than what some what sometimes people think is, it's, is you'll just knock it all down and rebuild it in one yeah. go, which I'm sure won't happen. I think the um, one of the one of the things recently for 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 on my side of things and Rachel, you may or may not have experience of this. I guess is that is a sort of maternity unit being a few floors away from the um, the more kind of uh, I can't remember what the what the other level of it's called, but there's there's several there's two there's a midwife level and a uh, and and another level, and they're they're quite far apart uh, from each other. And I think it's that sort of yeah. from reading the from reading the um, from reading the it's piece explores uh, that building yeah a, a lot of it is about stuff that isn't next to each other because i guess as stuff gets developed and you, you open a new space for this it might not necessarily be next to the uh the the thing that um that it needs to be um i don't know if anybody's ever played the game two point hospital mm. it's very similar to theme hospital which you may remember from your youth but it's not just as simple as just moving stuff around within a building um two point hospital is a rather excellent game uh, i recommend anybody <laughs> anybody gets that um, is it like Operation? No, it's um, it's no, it's completely different to Operation. Like operation <laughs> quality game. <laughs> Who came up with that idea in the uh, back in the day? Right, what do people like? Surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Removing bits from some poor bloke. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, th I think it's fair to say that there are uh, bits of it that are going back the maternity block tom that you mentioned it yeah. is like a furnace as well yes which I've i don't know whether that's intentional or not um but i remember going once oh, probably four years ago maybe i had my wisdom teeth taken out um and where i had to go for the kind of pre-op stuff was basically like we've talked about them before it was a terrapin a temporary building <laughs> on the, the like right hand side of the the site and just like it was like going into a shed it was really odd um so yeah it's just a i think like paul said it's like a such a mishmash of you know going up one side of it is brand spanking new and millions of pounds the front bit's grade two listed and then you've got a shed tucked away somewhere for poor people having all their teeth pulled like me yeah so yeah some money oh, could be well spent there um, I, th I think it's I think it's fair to say that the, the sort of the refurbishment doesn't reflect on the care that that people are receiving. It's just hopefully it will improve um, oh, no. improve the situation and improve the facilities for everybody. Um, uh, it's it's, a, it's it feels a little bit like um, when my my old school in in Bracknell, where I went to school, was. Uh, uh, they spent some money on um, basically pulling it down and building a new one. It was that bad. Uh, it was it was falling apart at the seams. So uh, it feels sort of slightly reminiscent of that. Um, just moving on, sort of slightly staying with with the NHS, but uh, just something slightly different. It's um, Reading's pubs are due to Reading pubs and restaurants are due to face uh, test and trace spot checks to make sure that they are following guidelines. I think this is pretty uh, relevant now, especially that the government appears to be bringing in. Um, some new laws around not congregating with more than six people. Um, I don't know if we have any idea whether that will affect pubs opening or closing. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, what I have seen in that is that it's uh, 
places that are exempt are sort of COVID secure places. So you sort of assume that uh, that means that that pubs that are um, sticking with test and track and trace and that kind of thing uh, when you, when you walk in. Um, should be all right but um <laughs> without having the actual announcement so far then I, I guess we don't we don't know but um has anybody else aside from me been to a pub or a restaurant i went to a pub last night Blime. Mm. Uh, do you know what out of all three of you i did not expect it to be hugh that came up with uh came up with that i went to the wagon and horses pub in charville which we might we can call greater Reading. <laughs> and um what um what was the process? I, I, I went in and somebody took my temperature and I had to give my phone number. And then we went and sat down at our table. There were four of us and they brought us drinks and they had a card machine and we paid at the, uh, the desk at uh, the desk at the table. And, uh, then, then we had to put our empty glasses back on their tray. They weren't allowed to touch the empty glasses. Um, and then they took them away again. And it was very pleasant. Um, it was, someone had given it a lot of thought, and yeah. everyone was far away from each other. Um, and it seemed very, very safe. Not quite sure what pubs are going to do when people can't sit outside. Yeah, that would be interesting. But um, this particular one was was fine. Um, it, what what all this has done is removed something I didn't realise was a pet hate of mine. But it's queuing at the bar. And I now realise how annoying and irritating and stupid it is when you could actually just be sat and have had your sort of your your drink delivered to you in the same way that you have food delivered to you. I don't know how that will deal with sort of capacity problems later on, as you sort of allude to. Has anybody else been to? Uh, we probably it's kind of thing we probably should have discussed before, uh, rather than me blindly asking and both of you going no. Um, but have, have, Rach, Rick, Paul, have you been to? Have you been been out? What has been your experiences? Oh, you we'll start with Rach. Sorry, that, that's my job. To oh, start. Okay. We'll go with Rach. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've been I've been to a few pubs, maybe four or five different places. Um, maybe for lunch, once for dinner, um, met a friend, that kind of thing. Um, a bit of a mixed bag of experience, really. I, I don't. This is probably not a great thing, but never once have I been made to leave my details for track and trace right um there's been quite a, a variance of uh, approaches to it some everybody had a sanitizer on the way in some had like one-way systems you go in one door and out the other um some had the tables quite distant to each other and one particular place which i won't mention the name of but other than sanitizer on the door it felt like covid had never happened um mm, I'd, have, I'd have probably left there well it was only because we'd we had booked a table for dinner and until we sort okay. of got in and realized the situation it was a bit late to um to change it so yeah it's been a bit of a mixed bag for me that's uh, that all of the places that i go to on a regular basis all have qr codes which you know have come back into fashion all of a sudden or um or, or you have to put your name down on a on a list um so that you know that i've not found oh. anywhere that's not done that yet so it's interesting that rage that you have and um, what about you paul no that's a foreign <laughs> world to me pubs now i can only look past them admiring the intake of alcohol. I mean, of course, I haven't done that yeah, at all. No, no, no. Definitely, we only have a bar at home now. Yeah. Yes, we do have, not, not a proper bar, but I've got to say, we've got a fine collection of uh, beers and that alcohol. <laughs> but the whole concept of sat and sitting there on your phone, having a drink, and then saying, oh, that person isn't applying to track and trace. Yeah. yeah it's such a strange world that we've actually got to, isn't it? I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a yeah. good thing, but just imagine if someone had said that to you only six months ago, you would have thought that was yeah. really crazy. It's 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 it is it's a bizarre old world, as you say, that we've that we've that we've got to. And you know, I I think I I would I would genuinely, Rach, I think if I'd have walked in that place where 
where you went, I think I would have I would have turned around and walked out, knowing how much effort a lot of other places have gone to. Um, I'm not saying that that's right. What you did was right or wrong. It's just. Are you telling me off? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. If you've booked a table, it seems... Bear in mind my bit... story, though, Tom, that the things, yeah. the things I've got to compare it to, <laughs> nowhere yes, yeah. has been exceptional. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, that was possibly slightly, slightly... I, mean, I guess you've made a booking, so technically your details are, uh, your details are there. But that, yeah, that's that... true. That's uh, that is an interesting one, and I think that's 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 possibly your your stories there and, and your point of view, Rach. I think perhaps raises raises an interesting point as to why they are going to be doing spot checks because that feels uh, that feels quite quite like it possibly needs to happen then. Because in my little world, I was thinking, well, that feels like a waste of time because everywhere I've been um, seems seems great. Even even when I've been down to Reading City Football Club um, to watch a game there, I've had my temperature taken by the former AFC Wimbledon and old shot town manager Terry Brown um you may or may not know who he is but he's he's quite a successful manager and he was just stood there at the front taking temperatures of people um which I found quite quite bizarre so to I I've the places that I've been to have had quite a high level of high level of it so it's interesting to see a different side of it really mm. I can honestly say since sort of things got relaxed a little bit and not that I've been going out a huge amount, but I can say that I went to one cafe where they took my details as I was paying for stuff. And that's that's the only time I've been made to do it. Paul, just just interestingly, while, while we've got you here and we're talking about this subject, what what's life been like for you since things have been relaxed a bit? And I know they may be ramping back up the opposite direction, but what's what's life been like for you? Uh, for me, there have been some relaxations of what I've been doing. Um, I've definitely been going out for walks every single day, live near to Caversham. I've met up with a few people outside, uh, friends of mine, but I can't meet anyone inside. I haven't been inside a building since March. Only one other building apart from my house, and that was a hospital. Uh, wow. They just cannot go inside any confined spaces. Wow. So, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I don't miss going shopping for, like, going to Waitrose. No. I miss any of that. <laughs> I just miss – there's no spontaneity. There's no spontaneity. I know exactly what I'm going to be doing on every Saturday evening for the next six <laughs> months probably. It's, it's kind of strange, but you have to have the mentality of getting through it and thinking, well, I've done six months now. I'm yeah. through that bit. And whenever it's going to change is the vaccine treatment. You just kind of adapt to it. it but the worst thing about it is – when you see the numbers going up and you have a fear of other people kind of not taking it seriously enough. But then if I had their health, what position would I be in? It's hard to know would my health have been so different. So uh, how how are you how are you sort of coping mentally with that? Because obviously knowing where you're gonna be every Saturday night for the next mm. I, I I get jittery on a Friday night if I'm not doing something. And it was it was a little bit easier when we were all in forced lockdown because there was nothing I could do. But now, now we're sort of and I and I am still spending a lot of time at home. But how are you coping with that? That's up and down. Yeah, that is. I mean, I'm very uh, very lucky to have my girlfriend here all the time, most of the time. You know, she, I don't know how she puts up with me, but it is good to have that. Just a kind of mentally, but I do worry about the winter. Definitely, mm. because going yeah, out, you know, sit down by the river for an hour or whatever it is you won't be able to do that in the winter no no one's going to sit there when it's freezing cold with the rain coming down i wouldn't do that normally so <laughs> it's that ability to be out of the house is somewhere different and nice you just don't have that and i worry about not just myself and everyone how they're going to be affected by this you know that yeah. everyone can make a worst case scenario of how it's going to go but we don't actually know because we've never been in this scenario before but just the virus winter inside colder all logic points to not a great time and i really yeah. think people should if they do have mental health issues or feeling the pressure should talk about it with someone i think it's really key okay we'll just move on to um the the third story we were going to talk about there's a there's a bunch of heritage opening open days happening some of them are online some of them are in person uh and i think um i they're over they're over a couple of different dates and stuff but there's i don't know there's there's i didn't actually count them but there's a there's there's more than 10 there's, there's loads of them um it's between september the 11th and the 20th um 
so that is starting from uh, I think the day the podcast is out on the Friday. So Friday, Friday the eleventh to Sunday the twentieth of September. Um, I'm not, what I did, I got you guys to have a quick look through and pick one that you would be very, very keen on doing. So, um, Rach, we start with you. Oh gosh, right. I'd narrowed it down to three. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Are you going to? Are you going to judge me? No. <laughs> I'm going to go with Marvel <laughs> at Reading's oldest trees in person, uh-huh. and that is solely because yeah. uh, the one that's on the on the article. I'm just looking at it now. Uh, shows that tree outside St Mary's Church in the town centre. Yeah. Um, Apparently, it's called the trippy tree. I think it looks like the tree out of Sleepy Hollow, or it did before that to cut it all back. Um, and it, it looks like a headless horseman's going to come charge it out the roots at any moment. <laughs> it's, um, it's so, quite, and there's also some enormous trees by um, the, the, is it Lido or Lido? I never know how you're supposed to say it. Um, some massive oak trees there. Mm. So uh, I'm going down the nature route lovely lovely that, I, I must admit when if you, you come out of the purple turtle or whatever pavlov's dog is called now uh you've had a few beers maybe you've been in the uh the horn on the corner you've had a few beers or a couple of cocktails or something and and you see that and you, you're a little bit worse for wear i think that must be at late at night that must be quite a terrifying sight imagine if it was mm-hmm. a, bit, a bit foggy as well a little fog going over the graveyard around the tree You're talking oh, about a... headless horsemen <laughs> apparently it's called cool, it? in there as well sorry (laughs) sorry but what did you say what did you say i missed that completely maybe a sloth in there as well that would be amazing um it's called an indian an indian (laughs) tree and that that one in in uh, st mary's butts is 150 years old or more than um hugh Yes, I'd just like to say I've seen far worse sights late at night in Reading Town Centre than a tree, I'm afraid. Um, I, you push me about that, Hugh. I, um, I quite like the uh, the discover the intriguing histories of Reading's gravestones. It's a bit morbid, <laughs> but um, I'm sure it's very interesting. Um, and... Uh, it would actually make, might make quite an interesting new piece for the website as well. So, um, well, I, I was thinking, I was thinking this has got uh, this has got a Hugh Fort classic piece uh, around uh, interesting gravestones, and then where later on you're told by someone online that it's not a very good piece of journalism. I think it's got that written all over it. Someone, <laughs> I'll, I'll spend four hours writing it, and then someone will just tweet and say, "Slow news day?" Question mark. <laughs> they're, they're the greatest greatest wit since Oscar Wilde himself and uh, <laughs> they're the first person ever to say that to a journalist um, you must be so resilient Hugh if I did your job I think I'd be in tears every day because people are just so mean <laughs> we had uh, somebody commented on the uh, the Royal Barks story um, where we where we, where we announced that they were looking for feedback on how to spend the money and um, they said this is such a terrible piece of journalism. Why aren't you saying what's going to happen? Because <laughs> it's a very obvious answer to that is because they're asking for feedback about what should be hap- happened and they don't know. And it's a 10 year plus project <laughs> that they probably have to, um, how they can still you have not to know that, you? Surely you should I know, know yeah. all these things. It's poor. Isn't I, know, it? I should be able to p- predict the future with hundred yeah. percent accuracy. Yeah. That would make journalism a lot easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> sure. But the thing is, surely they've already made all the decisions and all it is, is a people pleasing exercise to ask people what they think they might want and then ignore it anyway. Surely that's what that's about. Oh, you cynical, Tom. Probably true, but cynical. <laughs> Paul, what about what about yourself? What do you, what which one did you pick out? Uh, I'd go for the influential women tour with Terry Dixon. Uh, okay, friend. I think that'd be interesting. I did one in 2018 as well, and I think the women kind of there's so many people female from uh, Reading area, and also you could also go back to possibly I don't know whether he's going to do this. You could go back to the munition factories where they built the Spitfires as well in Reading. That might be part of it. I'm sure there's lots of it. I mean, I'm not sure we can really add in Kate Winslet. Is she really an influential woman? I don't know. Where, she was in Hollywood. Where do we go? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, she was on Titanic. She was uh, right at the front. I mean, you go and be impressed how she did. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not sure. But it does sound interesting. And it's something that people could do. You can get out it's in an open space. Why not join up with one of these things? Get out there and see what's in Reading. There's loads of interesting stuff. I think um, the one just for me was the one, the, the industrial architecture online. Um, I've had a fascination with that gas holder um, since I, I don't know when. I, I think it's because I, I, it, that, yes. <laughs> I think it's, it's just purely because I don't like I, I as a, as a kid, I think like sometimes the thing was up and sometimes it was down and I never really understood how it worked. But also I think part of the, part of the fascination is that gas holder that's near the oval cricket ground. And so we were always in the background and just seeing that there was one, there was one on the train line from, from Bracknell to Reading, a, a gas. So, but it was not just about the, uh, the gas holder. So it's a Twitter. Um, it's, this one's going to be interactive on Twitter uh, and it's, by uh who's it by it doesn't say who it's by um but it's the it's it'll be on hashtag bi biag20 uh and that's on tuesday so have a look at some of those and we'll include the link to the heritage open days on uh on the show notes so you'll be able to have a quick look at those but those are uh, those are quite interesting um and we'd be interested to know which ones you might pick as well uh so let us know uh, in the meantime, that's it for part one. Uh, in part two, we will start with our interview with Glendinning from Blue Collar Street Food. The Big Interview. Hi everyone, I'm here with Glenn Dinning from Blue Collar Street Food. Uh, hello Glenn, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing Tom? Yeah, yeah, not, not so bad. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a shame that we can't do these in person. Well, I, I mean, I suppose we could, but to be honest, it's, it's a lot easier to just do it on a video call. I don't have to pack all the equipment up and... Yeah, um, and you've got a rather fetching headset on as well, Tom. So yes. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm very impressed by that. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, I know I look like a bit of a, a nerd, but I just, I just don't care. Um, it's just more comfortable than having those headphones. And I always lose my headphones. So the, this, this thing is just permanently attached to my computer. So. And the great thing is you get to see inside someone's house as well. Yeah. I think I haven't given you a great angle here. You've got, <laughs> you've got a door behind yeah. me. For Wi-Fi reasons, I'm in this position. But whereas <laughs> you've got quite a nice little poster there. You yeah. You really worked on it. Uh, it's it's uh, you know it's over five months I've I've really added to the uh, added to the, the sort of the thing behind me and it just it just makes it all a bit better a bit nicer something to look at anyway. Um, I, I wanted to just start by asking you. Obviously, it, we'll, we'll talk about kind of what's been going on with blue collar street food and everything in a bit. But um, first and foremost, in, is it next week? I think we've got the 2020 British Street Food Awards coming to Reading. Um, this is a long-established competition, and I just wondered if you could tell people about what they could expect from it and from from blue collar street food next week. Yeah, well, I, I just think it's just really exciting. I think, it, it, you know, it's the biggest street food competition in the world. Um, they do regional heats in the UK. Um, and they came to us and they said, would we be up for, for hosting the Southern Heats? And of course we were. I mean, this is the very, very best of street food in the south of England. Um, there were over 3,000 applications from food traders that we had to narrow down to 16 and put eight on the Saturday, eight on the Sunday. Um, and these are traders that are, are pushing the boundaries. They are, yeah. they're creating new food combinations. They're doing what you and I will eat in restaurants in two, three, four years time. Um, and so, yeah, so it's on uh, Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th of September. Um, tickets are now available. We only, we didn't want to get, but we had to do it with the way the world is at the moment. Um, for track and trace to control numbers going in and out of marketplace. Um, we, we charged a quid. I think it's a quid 70, whatever, whatever um, Eventbrite had on top. Um, and every person that comes in then gets a voting slip um, and they vote for their favourite trader. Um, the, the winner um, of the Saturday and the winner of the Sunday then goes through to the uh, UK final in London. Um, and I mean, previous winners, this is genuinely a, a life-changing 
um, award for someone because previous winners have been people like Meat Liquor. If people have heard of them, they've got 12 restaurants around the world, um, Baked in Brick, Doe Hut. These are really, really special names that go on and they, I think nearly all of them have gone on and, and created their own restaurant or created their own chain. Um, and then the winner of that then goes through to the European Street Food um, Award. So it's just such an exciting thing. And I think to have that quality of food trader in our town, um, it, it's just brilliant. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've even got the last year's winner, last year's UK winner is coming to us on the Sunday to defend their title. So I think in terms of, of quality of food, it's, it's really right up there. Who, who have we got? Have we got anybody anybody from Reading in there? Uh, yeah, we've got a few of ours. I mean, the, the difficult thing comes with a situation is that you've got the south of England. So you've got all yeah. the traders in London. You've got um, arguably a lot of the ones from Bristol have tried to sneak into our one as well. Um, <laughs> but the ones that people will know, uh, Perusable, who's been coming, you know, they did the first event that we ever did in Fort Gardens, which was which was actually four years ago today. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, we've got vegetables as well that obviously have been doing amazing things for vegan food. Um, and so, um, yeah, there's a few others that people might recognise, but then there's also a, a lot of London names. Um, so I'd like to think there's kind of a really good combination in there. And if you're a foodie or even if you just like having a good meal, then I think it is genuinely the place to be. I mean, what we're doing, we're saying to people that you just go online book an hour time slot and then we we only have to do this because we have to make sure it's covid friendly um but you book an hour time slot and you come in we've got a bar there as well um the traders are doing they're doing their full meals but they're also doing taster menus as well so if you're like me and you want to go in there and there are eight traders there and you want to try all of them then you can like it it is you'll leave very very full but it is achieve um achievable so um yeah so i i just think it's it's brilliant in terms of the quality we've got there we've got um i mentioned the the current champion of the uk that's going to be there on the sunday they're called pabellon they do venezuelan food um so there's a combination of things i mean it goes from really pushing the boundaries and food types that most of us have never heard of, myself included, even though the job that I do. Um, but then you've also got the greatest burger that you'll ever try in your <laughs> life. But all of these things there, and I just think it's um, it, it's great for our town that we're we're now getting approached to do these kind of things. Whereas before, yeah. kind of Bristol and Oxford, and obviously London, um, but now maybe I think we're we're starting to make an inroads on the food scene. I, I remember the first time we spoke to you uh, on on the podcast would have been I think almost two years ago, and I know this was kind of an aim, and because you, uh, you were sort of almost just just sort of starting out a little, not necessarily starting out, but you that you were still talking about um, kind of that that philosophy and the, and the idea that um, you wanted Reading to be known for its street food, and it feels like this two years on, you've you've maybe kind of achieved that. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah, I still think we've got a little way to go. But I, uh, you know, the reason why I started the business is that I used to go and work in London, and I saw this amazing food scene in Shoreditch and in Brixton and in Peckham. And what it did is it is it turned rundown areas into the home of food and drink, and you could have this amazing food that was at an affordable price, um, and they create these brilliant atmospheres. And you know, since we've last spoken. You know, in terms of an update, I think year on year, we, we always improve the quality of the food available. We improve um, the events we do. They go bigger and better. Um, and we are getting to a point now, when it, and it's flattering. It is nice to have people like the British Street Food Awards. They've been going for a long time. They could have done it anywhere in the south of England. Yeah. And they wanted to come to our town, which I think is a really, really exciting thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're, we're not quite there yet, but we're, we're certainly getting there. Oh, is, is it fair to ask you, excluding the the sort of the Reading ones, is it fair to ask you what your the one you're most looking forward to is? Tom, honestly, I'm telling you, I've I've made a vow to myself that I'm going to try all sixteen that are there. Amazing! I'm going to try and do that. So <laughs> I, I'm probably going to put in very little work over the course of that weekend. Delegation, I like to put it down as you know, more of a management role and overseeing it while people while while I try the food. 
and uh, quality control. Absolutely, that uh, it's, a, it's a fine phrase. That quality control, and I think it covers a, a multitude of, thi- of things. Um, I, w- I was sort of going to ask you what you've been up to over um, over lockdown in terms of blue collar, but uh, I think I've, I've seen quite a few things go out. There's been a lot of expansion, and I, I guess um, you know what has been going on because blue collar street food has just gone from strength to strength since uh, since the sort of the lockdown we've we've been through, kind of come out of, and potentially dipping back into again. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. Uh, you know, overnight everything stopped for us. Um, Reading Football Club obviously stopped playing their games that so we're, we're involved with them. Um, we cancelled our summer events in Forby Gardens, all the markets in town. Um, we do business parks like Thames Valley Park and Winners Triangle. They stopped all overnight. Um, any corporate bookings we'd had were, were pretty much cancelled. So. I think it was one where probably for the first week it was quite full on um, operationally trying to cancel everything and mm. give food traders refunds and do all the boring stuff. Um, but then after that, you sat there and there was literally, there's nothing to do. And for me, I mean, Blue Collar is about four and a half years old and um, it was probably the first proper break I've ever really had from it. I think, you know, most people know when you, when you start a business, it is your, your everything, it's your life. Um, and so I had 12 weeks off and completed Netflix, <laughs> Russian documentaries to fill my time. Um, so it was one where it was just at, at that point, I was just ready to do anything and it was almost forget about the money. I need it for my sanity. I mm. need to go out there. Um, and so I spoke to the other guys that, um, that, that worked with me with Blue Collar and we decided to do a drive through event. Um, so it took place at Rivermead and it was such a difficult one because you think I've literally no idea how this is going to do it was you know with Forby Garden events we go around all the office blocks and we um, put up posters and we kind of do it a little bit of the old school way as well as the modern methods Um, whereas with this one it was completely social media and and coverage by the um, by the papers and it was kind of like it's a good test to maybe see um, the strength of the brand and that kind of thing. And um, I remember saying to a guy that worked for me, we, for people that didn't go, we were actually quite far into Rivermead. We were quite far down in the car park. And I said, if we can get maybe a 10, 15 minute spell where there's cars backing up at the, the height restriction, which is about five cars worth. Yeah. And I thought then we're doing, then we're doing well. Um, and of course it happened and we just completely blocked the traffic. And, uh, <laughs> we, we blocked over Cowsham Bridge and it was just like, it was one where it was brilliant because I think, I think what happened in lockdown is that all of us, we kind of thought there were some people that are going to survive and some people that aren't. And I think there was almost a renewed desire to support independent local business yeah. and people have been amazing with us like and they've been so supportive and and i am so grateful um and that one you know i i thought this is actually backing up quite a bit and so i i've, I've walked up to each car to just say like sorry about the queue it's purely because of number of people and everyone that everyone that i spoke to they just said to me there's nothing else there's nothing else to do we're on lockdown yeah. <laughs> what else are we going to do and yeah. i think we hit a bit of a sweet spot. It was uh, the first weekend in June. It was a day that McDonald's ran out of food down Oxford Road. Um, and so it was just, a, it was a brilliant, brilliant event. And I think also in lockdown, you learn a few things and you learn that maybe if I'm being honest, I was so run down. I was so um, sort of worn out by the job that when you come back, you think I, I, I want to enjoy it. And um I think since we've come back, I'd like to think that our food markets, we've had to deal with restrictions. We've had to deal with the fact the offices aren't back in work. But I think the quality has increased dramatically. Um, And I think we're having fun. I think everyone that works at Blue Collar, I think we just love doing it. I think, um, you know, everyone, probably like most people, you always think that it would be great to be retired and not have to work (laughs) and everything like that. But then you get that opportunity and you think, yeah, actually, it's quite boring. Yeah. 
Uh, so I know you've all, obviously you've also you've had the Reading FC food market as well going on, um, and certainly without any fans in it, it looks like for the foreseeable future as well there won't be any fans at the Medeski. But I guess in terms of of what you had been doing, what would you say was a, a Reading FC fan's favourite street food? Which vendor did they did they kind of gravitate to? Oh, a difficult one. I think, um, I mean, the Reading Football Club thing was one where, like, for me, I, you know, I'm a season to gold. I have been for years. It's my club. It's my team. And it was it was a real dream come true. Even, I mean, even in the first meeting, when I met Nigel Howe. I thought, you know, <laughs> like, play it cool, play it cool. It's Nigel Howe. Mm. Um, so it was great to be able to work with them. Um, I think, I think the thing that happened with Reading Football Club is that I know from going every week and going from before we were involved, I used to go there and I don't know if you would have saying, but when you go there on a Saturday and you've had one too many beers or maybe on a midweek game and you go straight from work, I remember being there and thinking like, I need to eat, but I yeah. just don't want to put in my body their scrotum burgers or whatever <laughs> they've got going on there. And, and they charge a pretty penny for it as yeah. well. So, yeah. It was one where we looked at it and we said, look, the margin they're making is scandalous. What if we come in and we're not changing football culture? I'm a football fan. I love football. We're not changing it. We're just saying, if you have a burger, make it the greatest burger you've ever had in your life or make it like the, a brilliant pie and mash dish or mm. something like that. Um, and we can do that at the same price, if not less, um, than what the previous guys were doing because we're not greedy. We don't want a monster margin. We just want to do really good food for people. Mm. Um, so it came about that way and we managed to get a few quick wins in the sense that the previous operator outside the ground, I think he only had three food kiosks or whatever. And we put in, I mean, I think the most we had was 12, but we kind of averaged about 10. Um, but in terms of favourites, I think um, a few of them built up a bit of a cult following. I mean, like, there's one of them called Heavenly Sausage, which um, is, is quite funny, really, because they, they, we always used to put them outside the away fans, but there was, every home fan could access them because they were outside the stadium. And when the club did their tweet going, this is the food you've got on offer today, particularly in the early days, there was always someone that came and asked, they go, oh, can I access Heavenly Sausage before the game? And what happened after a few weeks, obviously a few wags caught on to that, didn't they? And so, um, like, honestly, now I can't put anything out about Heavenly Sausage without someone going, yeah, but can home fans access them before the game? <laughs> like, it's brilliant. And it, like, that's what football's all about. And I think, um, yeah, so a lot of them have cult fat, like the Korean chicken's got, like, mm. the wings, um, the like the the chicken wraps we do there like everything and um yeah i would like to think maybe in a in a very very small way that we made the match day experience better and um like you touched upon tom i mean everything is so up in the air at the moment um obviously we can't trade there at the moment um we don't know when we'll be allowed back we don't know if they want us back um but whatever happens it's my club it's my team and people can never take that away it's yeah. like, like the heavyweight champion of the world that win, <laughs> wins the title and then loses it on the next one we're still the heavyweight champion of the world so even to just do it for one year has just been brilliant for us and it's just been so much fun and it's um you know like it's just brilliant to be involved with the football club so we'll see what happens but it's been um it's been great for us and we were even doing calculations we looked at the previous operator we looked at what we did you know your sales are up by like 150 percent um obviously we've increased the number of food vendors um and i think the big thing is that we really really care about it i i, I can't have my mates go to the game and tell me that the food is now <laughs> so I've always got to make sure it's good at the club. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just been a brilliant experience. Yeah. And we're very grateful to the club for that. Just uh, just very quickly, just to finish off, of course, you've got the Friday food market is yours now as well, mm. um, which is obviously uh, – what, what, how did that come about? What, what was going on there? Do you, can, you, can you tell us anything about that? Well, I think the Friday one's an interesting one because a lot of people thought we did that before anyway. Yeah. Um, but we didn't. There was a guy from um, Southampton that ran it and he was very, um, very old school. Um, probably didn't get on great with food traders. Um, didn't really, wasn't a fan of social media, that kind of thing. 
And it's one of those where he got away with it because there were so many office workers, effectively, mm. that's, you know, like we both know, that's like the city part of Reading, really, yeah. isn't it? Um, and he got away with it in normal times. Um, and then we came back, and um, I probably shouldn't say this, but like we were trying to put in procedures in place to make everyone feel safe. Um, we got told that maybe, um, you know, restrict the number of food traders originally so that... Um, everyone can queue and social distancing etc etc and he he was a bit of a pain in pain in the bum about that and um and in the end it was one where because he didn't have a presence in reading because the food perhaps wasn't the best quality um it just didn't work out for him so um i think for us it's um you never want to see someone lose the market but for us it's been great because it means that um the Friday, I think, will get better and better. I mean, Reading UK, you know, to their credit, have been brilliant for us and they've given us a two-year deal. Um, and I think in those two years, I don't think it's unrealistic to to hope that the market and, and we can make the market one of the best in the south mm. of England. We can really start to push the boundaries with it. Um, I mean, we've seen people come in, like we've got a, a guy start. Our first Friday was, was the Friday just gone. Um, and so we had a guy called Gert Wings come in uh, really big in Bristol and they came down and like I normally when every trader comes in I try their food before they come in I hadn't tried them I'd heard really good things so I thought we'd give them a go and I tried it and I'll be honest Tom they just blew me away they were they were brilliant they were so good and I just think it's just really good for our town that you know if we don't get to this point in terms of food culture and things like that, it won't be through lack of trying. Yeah. We're, we're doing everything we can. We're getting big names come to us now. Um, and so for things like the British street food awards, for, for, for things like um, the Friday market, which is just going up and up in quality, I just think it's just, um, it, it's really pleasing. And, um, you know, in two years time, I think we can do something really special. That's, that's fantastic, Glenn. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining. I can't just go without um, just bringing up that we've got uh, Paul Mann as our guest host from Elm Park Royals today. Um, I know he uh, was keeping tightly up. He's a, he's a good friend of yours, I believe. Um, and I, I think you've been you've been helping him out with some shopping and stuff like that. But we had Paul on for our episode 106. It just seemed like the the right thing to do. Um, was there anything you just wanted to say to Paul? Well, I love Paul, and Paul knows that. I mean, I think the thing is that the content he's done with Elm Park Royals has just been amazing. And, you know, what's interesting is that with the the lockdown period, there was no football. I think most people would go, there's nothing to talk about with football. But he almost went to a different level. He was Mm -hmm. interviewing Brian McDermott, Jason Roberts, Noel Hunt, Jem Karakan, all these people. And um, I think Paul knows, I think, that all, all the people that work at Elm Park Royals, there's a little team of them. They know what I think of them. I mean, they're, they're brilliant people. They've always been supportive of Blue Collar. And, um, yeah, they do such a good job covering covering Reddit. So I, I listened to Elm Pot Rolls for a long time, and then I got to know Paul. And, um, yeah, so I don't want to give him too much credit, but I think <laughs> I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> Fantastic. Glenn, thank you ever so much for joining us today, and uh, good luck with the street food. Hopefully we'll uh, see you there for a quick bite to eat. My pleasure. Thank you, Tom. The Big Interview. Okay, so that was our interview with Glenn Dinning from Blue Collar Street Food. Um, Paul, you know Glenn very well. I believe he sponsors your podcast, your Elm Park Royal podcast. Yeah, that's the most interesting he's ever sounded. I've got to say, he was on cracking form, wasn't he? I hope it goes well with this world um, uh, food event that he's got. He's um, he's a top bloke, and he's done a lot for me during this shielding period. But don't tell anyone because he get big headed. He really fair does. enough. Yeah, <laughs> it's just as well this isn't being recorded. That's definitely uh, no one will ever hear. So I've I've now got this I've now got this idea that he's been turning up with different sorts of street food to your house. He has. Oh no, I I will actually say he has actually done shopping for me at some point. Oh, so fantastic. he is actually. What no, he didn't turn up with a bratwurst for you then. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, this is a different kind of program. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh dear. I did. Um, I, my mum came over uh, a few weeks ago, and we were we went out into town, and I did try to take her to the food market, but it was that it was whatever Wednesday it was, and it was absolutely hammering it down. And so, unfortunately, we had to we ended up in Honest Burger instead. But we, you know, we tried to keep it marketplace, but um, unfortunately, standing out at the food market wasn't quite uh, wasn't quite suitable with the amount of rain. But but Hugh and I, I, I think we are very excited to to take a wander down to the food market one day again. Hopefully, it's on the horizon at some point. I hope so. I hope. You uh, should offer to be a judge, Tom, on the competition. I don't know if I can do it. The, the thing is, I'm far too fussy. I, there'd be there'd be something there with something that I didn't like, and I wouldn't want to. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not the right. I, I was the right man to do to be a judge on the pickled onion contest at the retreat. <laughs> I was the right man for that job. But you I'm, set the bar high there, haven't you? I did, mate. I did. <laughs> I did. But I, I'm not the right man. I'm not the right man to be a food judge. Sure. Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought 2020 was a bad year, but it's got good now, hasn't it? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, right. We will move on to the random question. The random question. Uh, and this week's random question, as I just scroll down to remind myself, um, you can bring back one kid's day out from your childhood. What would it be? Um, Paul, we'll go straight to you on this one. Do we need to brainstorm this a little bit to remember the ones that have gone? Oh, do okay, do we? So, so this is like your Windsor Safari Park, perhaps, which I think is uh, was an absolute classic. Um, I had one that's come up already. I used to love going to Child Bill, and it's always now, isn't it? Yes, Yes. I used to love going there as a kid because you'd go there. And you go around all the different animals and see a lion or whether there's a penguin and a, some other animal, a monkey. <laughs> I think you're, imagine, you're remembering this. Yeah, exactly. You're remembering I, it a bit I, bigger than it was. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Let's not worry about that. It's, you know, if it sounds great. And then at the end, I get to play football in the car park for about two hours with me and my brother. And oh, my, my parents would be just off somewhere else. It was that kind of age. No, I used to love it there. It was a really good day out. I just totally loved it. I was fascinated by what happened to the people when on the boat. There was a boat you could go on. And actually, I found out eventually it's really dull. (laughs) (laughs) That's horrible. I don't like it when... I mean, my child child bill memory, I also call it child bill as well, because I'm old school. (laughs) Um, Is that they had these weird birds called capercaillies. They were black. They were black and red and used to make a really strange noise and fight with each other in their cage. And I was fascinated by them. I had a miniature train as well. They've got a lot of birds the... there. Yeah. It's still there. The train's still there. I went on it oh. on Saturday. <laughs> nice. Tom would love it. He loves a train. Yes, I do indeed. I do indeed. They've got uh, some lovely parroty parakeets or something that can talk a little bit, and they just say, hello, Nigel. <laughs> and that's all they can say so anyone called nigel who rocks up is going to be loving it um h what about uh what about there's yourself there's no lions there um oh gosh what other ones are there so we've said we're to safari park ipston zoo used to be a good one um which it was tiny and it said zoo but again, I think it was more donkeys, goats, things like that. Uh, on the way to Wallingford, we used to go there all the time because it was small. It didn't cost loads of money to go. And it was just, I think we even had a school trip there once where we had to then make, you know, it would work. We had to make uh, a sign for one of the animal enclosures. I believe I went with flamingos. <laughs> I can still remember doing that. Uh, so that was a good one. Uh, then there's the, like the classics, not zoo related things like Laser Quest. Yeah, the John yeah. Mike uh, Laser has uh, gone now. Just use my waiting. one. Oh, <laughs> so, still brainstorming. Pretend I didn't say it. Go, on. Hugh. Which one would you bring? Hugh, back? What? Oh, Laser oh, Quest. Oh, good choice. <laughs> My memories of Laser Quest was you'd go there with your mates and there'd be two or three of you and you'd have to join in a much bigger group. And usually that group contained at least one or two people who played Laser Quest every single week, possibly every single day of their lives. And they were amazing at it. And then one of their tactics would just be to follow you around. 
So they'd shoot you and then your pack would die. And then they'd be standing right next to you when it came back on and they'd shoot you again. And this led to recriminations and bitterness and sadness. But still, apart from them, Laser Quest was really fun. And uh, it was at the top of London Street, wasn't it? Yeah. I believe. Yes, I believe it was. Uh, Oh, I said the forbidden Uh, word. I think we need to um we need to start having a, a sort of a fine system a band word like rach has to do a shot anytime if uh she's mentioned utopia has to do a shot or something that's what we need <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you it's you if he ever <laughs> mentions yates's or utopia he's got to do a forfeit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my one needs to be national trust surely <laughs> Yes, that's true. Yeah, well, if you mean, that would be, but it is an indication of age, though, isn't it? I'm only about a year older than Hugh, I think. <laughs> you know, it's true. You just have to deal with that uh, after the off-week recording. You can accept it. <laughs> that's it. I'm going so, clubbing tonight <laughs> just to show you all. Let's go mental. So, right, right. I'm going to so go mental. National Trust. National Trust or Zach? Oh, but you? surely you love the stories about his buffoonery. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just before we do finish off, um, uh, have you? Is there a bit of buffoonery for this week, Rach? Oh, uh, no, not really. He's got. He's just gone back to school and <sighs> been exhausted, which is great because he's actually gone to bed on time, um, <laughs> which could have resulted in some totally emotional meltdowns through tiredness but it, he's been great so no we've had a good week no <laughs> comedy dramas i'm afraid i'll try harder next week <laughs> before we go um, i i do have a question for our, our esteemed guest oh no oh. Well, well, in, amongst the uh, the reading fc blogger types in this area where, where would you rank yourself Wow, I can't really rank myself. That's kind of. <laughs> I know exactly where he's going with this. I'm sorry. Would you say that there are people inferior to you who are a poor man's poor man? Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I've also had it suggested if I ever did a Reading part just about Reading, it should be called A Man About Town. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, I can't rank myself. Definitely not. No, that would be weird. <laughs> um, I, I do. Reading start this weekend, don't they, Paul? Yeah, yes, they do start this week. You can hear the dejection in my voice. You, if you I would say that if we win, I'll be up straight yes. away. So, yeah, it's, it, it's not just about Reading FC. It's about the fact that nobody can go. Nobody can go. Yeah. You don't get meeting up with anyone. You don't get that enjoyment before the match or anything. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a very weird experience. Very strange. Like it is for everyone else with everything. It is. And watching a not very good football game on the telly because it's the team you support in an empty stadium on your own somewhat lacking in in, in enjoyable uh and enjoy as an enjoyable experience at least if you go to the match you with your friends and yeah and there's a bit more singing happiness and singing and having a laugh rather than sitting sitting in your living room on your own watch reading lose in an empty stadium the advantage is I don't have to go to the game, so it saves time. Dejection is much easier at home. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel bad about leaving early? No, definitely not. I mean, no. talk about bad games. The England game last night, was, that was the worst. That was like worse than watching Reading play. But, um, and you can have no, a point while you're watching it. I'll try and be optimistic. I could do that anyway. Yeah, definitely. Like I said to other people, I've got yeah. the best bar ever now. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is true. So I guess you know, as you say, you can get over the dejection a bit quicker. The beer's better. Um, there's there's all sorts of positives. I guess who are they playing this weekend? I should know this. They're playing Derby County away. The biggest advantage, Tom, is I can get my podcast done a lot quicker. Ah, <laughs> it's well, the biggest advantage. Yeah. We'll ju- we'll just finish off with you, Paul. Just how can people get in touch with or find out more about Elm Park Royals? Where can they go? Where can they find you? Uh, just go to Empire Rolls on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You'll find us there on three of those major sites. So. Lovely stuff. If, if you've not put anybody off, uh, <laughs> then, uh, then we're the, the, more they me, the more they dislike me, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, if you would like to get in touch, here is Jeremy with how you can. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk 
Find us on Twitter and Instagram at RealReadingPod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. I forgot to mention, I caught a video of the Loop the Loop Man. I don't know if anybody saw that. I put that on social media. Um, it was pointed out that you would need a magnifying glass to see it, but I'd never actually noticed him in the sky. And I was surprised by how loud the Loop the Loop Man was, um, considering how small and far away he appeared, he or she appeared. So um, that's quite enough for this week. We'll be back next week with plenty more. We're still looking for good people to speak to. Um, some some good people to interview uh, if you have any suggestions please do get in touch via facebook or twitter if you have a moment please give us a rating on your podcast app and if you have time submit a review uh, we will be back next week for more reddingy podcast goodness bye bye you're listening to the real reading podcast